Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Air It Out podcast. This is episode 22, if you keep a track at home. And for those of you that pay attention to any kind of birthday, any special person's kind of birthday, you know this is the Taylor Swift episode, episode 22. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling 22. And we're going to jump right into it. Jolan is not here this week. Jolan uh, has some things going on. He's okay, I promise. I promise he's okay. Don't worry. He's just, uh, he needs some time to uh, to get everything right. So I brought in a good friend of mine, a, a co-worker of mine from... The Amazon Warehouse, not the Amazon Rainforest, the Amazon Warehouse. Matt Guchar. It's spelled like gut jar, but uh, not pronounced as cool as it is spelled. So, uh, Matt, I want to welcome you to the podcast. Welcome to the episode. We got a lot to talk about, so welcome. Ryan, I appreciate it as always. Very excited to try this out. First time on the podcast with my boy. We've had a lot of conversations at work about sports and many of our funny observations that we see at work on a day-to-day basis. This is going to be a very interesting show for sure. That is a whole podcast in and of itself and what happens in that warehouse. (laughs) And obviously, we are contractually obligated not to say what the process that goes on in there. However, some of the stories are obviously ours, which we can share at a different time. But... Just a little recap, and last week the Cowboys got annihilated, so music to my ears. The Giants Thank got their God. first win of the season on a risky two-point play by Riverboat Ron of the Washington football team. Uh, I really liked the call. I really did. I think when you're on the road, you go for the win. I think that's just common practice. And again, you got a struggling football team. You get you get it there, you win the game. It's that simple. And 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 that's, that's a morale booster if it goes through. Now, obviously, it... Can be a demoralizer if it doesn't, but I think the the risk there, the reward outweighed the risk in that scenario, in my opinion. Couldn't agree more. It signals to the, to the team, we trust you guys. We're going to do what we need to do to come away with a win. It didn't happen for them, un- well, fortunately for me, unfortunately for them. That's the type of confidence you want to have from your coach as a player, knowing that in a pressure situation, he's going to give you guys a chance to win the game and not just keep playing. And he's done it all his career. This isn't something new that Ron Rivera has done since he's been diagnosed with cancer. This is something he has done his entire career. So shout out to him. Uh, I was only 7-7 seven seven on the week, so 50%. Okay, not too bad. I still stay 20 games above 500 in my picks this year, sitting at 56-36. and 36. So not a not a bad start to the year, but uh, we definitely need to improve on that. I can't believe I forgot to introduce my name. I'm Ryan the Goose Oscar, <laughs> as always with you here on the Air It Out podcast. We're going to jump right into the NFL. COVID seems to be a little bit more under control this week than when we were last on this podcast and we were talking about the Tennessee Titans. And listen, it came back that they were pretty okay. Their facilities were okay. I wanted them to get punished to the highest extent that they could. That obviously did not happen because their wrongdoing was found to be okay. They did, you know, basically the right things. Uh, the Oakland Raiders have uh, a few positive tests. We have seen some sprinkled here and there, but we haven't seen the outbreak we saw in Tennessee, Matt. You know, I'm actually very surprised that you find the NFL's judicious use of their punishments to be outrageous. They have been clearly consistent in having no set standard on how they enforce their rules. I think the situation in Tennessee was unfortunate. It's in that 
we don't know going forward necessarily if things start to flare back up how it's going to impact the season but thankfully it seems that most of the t- teams and give credit to a lot of these players they seem to understand the significance of how even a positive test could potentially derail a game a stretch of the season or maybe even a championship aspiration so hopefully going forward you know i think as long as they continue to respond to positive tests in an aggressive enough way, we'll be able to finish out this year and actually have a full season. Well, we saw it with baseball, and I always say this, I think, at the NFL, again, whatever you think of Roger Goodell, I still think they have better leadership at the top than Major League Baseball does. And, oh, to- totally. And look how baseball handled it. You know, you had the Marlins, you had the Indians who just had guys just running rampant on the street. Everything kind of got under control. The St. Louis Cardinals, too. Everything kind of got under control. They were able to finish the season. They're in the World Series now. We're going to talk about that later. But I think the NFL has a good grasp on it right now, and we we are going to have to go from there. Now, mm-hmm. before we get into our Week 7 picks, unfortunately, we've had one game in Week 7, and unfortunately, <sighs> that was the New York Giants. And, well, you, I, I did predict they would lose to the Eagles. I didn't think it would be this close at all, actually. I thought the Eagles would kind of run away with things. Uh, they did anything but, and I think, looking at the schedule right now, this is absolutely one of the toilet bowls of the week, and we didn't even talk about it as a toilet bowl game last week, but uh, the Giants came up one point short. Evan Ingram dropped the pass on, I believe it was third and seven, with about with about two minutes left in the game where he makes that catch. Philly's got one timeout, I think, and they're going to take three knees, and that's a game. So, really frustrating loss. Even had a touchdown drive with the Eagles. They they got a cheap little pass interference call. Set up a 50-yard bomb down the field uh, from Carson Wentz to whoever his JV receiver is. And that was kind of all she wrote from there. They scored on that drive. Then obviously they have an Ingram incident happens. Then they score again. Just a disaster if you're a Giant fan. Daniel Jones fumbles to end the game. No surprise. Evan Ingram, by the way, 21 drops since 2017, the most by a tight end, probably by far. I don't even think it. I don't even think it's remotely close. This game is so frustrating that Matt, you and I were watching it together, especially the end. the The one consistent thing I could always say was, at least I'm not a Jet fan. But here's the problem, and I and I get it. This is going to be the year of what ifs for Giant fans. I can't. I, I'm I'm waiting for it. I'm banking on it. Here's the problem, losers know how to lose. They know how to lose games like the Giants lost last night. When you turn the corner as a franchise, those are when you start piling together wins, not piling together almost wins. No, you need to pile together wins because that's how you build a winning culture. You have to win. It's that simple. It's in the name. You got to win, and the Giants just haven't gotten there yet. And again, like I said, losers find ways to lose Uh, the best coach in giants franchise history bill parcells said it best you are what your record says you are in the last five years the giants have been the worst team in the national football league and that includes an 0 and 16 browns year i believe as well they're 10 and 29 under dave gettleman he's got to be gone i have i have a long long wanted Lewis Riddick to be our GM. I think he's super intelligent. Oh. 
He's a great analyst, by the way. And it's and, and he's going to move the game. He understands the game has moved in a different direction. The mold that the Giants have used for the last 30 years, the same basic principles of toughness and dedication to the franchise are still there. But we can't operate under the same analytical systems, player evaluations that we have in the past. The game has changed. The organization needs to change with it. Yeah, that's been the thing. And and again, listen, Daniel Jones is a little more athletic, but you look at it and he and Eli Manning are really replicas of each other in so many different ways, especially when it comes to turning the ball over. <laughs> that was the big thing in the back half of Eli's career was how much he turned the ball over, how many interceptions he's thrown. With Jones, it's not necessarily the interceptions, it's the fumbles. And again, I get it. This offensive line is disgusting. Andrew Thomas looks bad. I mentioned this on the podcast last week. A lot of people asked me why I was hesitant when the Giants selected Andrew Thomas. I was not pleased. You know why? Because the one position in the draft where big names matter is offensive line. The guys you hear about often, Jedrick Wills, Makai Becton, the big names often turn out to be, Worfs as well down in Tampa now, often turn out to be the best lineman in the draft. Other positions, we see receiver, corner, running back. Guys come from these super later rounds. But in the offensive line, those guys at the top of the draft, if you're looking for a can't-miss guy, it's usually the big names. And that's just the way it has been at, o- over the years. Every once in a while, you sprinkle in a bust, but it's 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 been pretty consistent, and that's the one position it happens in. Unless you have Dante Scarmecchia as your offensive line coach, you have to to get the big-time talent. It's just a proven fact in the NFL. The defensive linemen in this league now are so big and so fast, you literally need the guy who was dominating every single person he came off in college to have a shot at stalling these guys. Yeah, Uh, you you need it in a big way. And again, Dave Gettleman, the one bit, you know, oh, I need hog mollies, I need this big... Listen... That defensive line is actually pretty good. Yeah. It's looking pretty decent. Leonard Williams has been a lot better this year. Absolutely. But that offensive line continues to need work. And, and again, but where do you where do you even start? Andrew Thomas has been god-awful. Will Hernandez, outside of his rookie year, has looked awful. He's regressed every year. Absolutely. Nick Gates is not your starting center for the next 10 years. Kevin Zeitler will likely leave because... If I was a free agent, I would leave. And at right tackle, you got Cam Fleming, who's on a one-year contract. What are you going to do? You need a whole new offensive line. You better hope Matt Pert somehow develops very quickly, which I also don't see happening. Great. Great. Uh, Gates Gates right now is playing as our second-best lineman, and on most teams, he'd be the seventh lineman. Uh-huh. That's oh, yeah. not good. Awful. Just awful things for the Giants. And like I said, I don't care about how close they came about how close things were, how they should have won, how they should be 3-3 yep. and three right now. It does not matter. You have to win the games, and good teams know how to win games ugly. The Giants don't know how to win a game pretty, yep. let alone ugly. So, and, and again, they beat Washington. Washington's three of their ten wins in the last uh, three years. Listen, and the route combination they ran on that two-point conversion was terrible. The, they said... If they actually converted that play, we're talking about 0-7. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
that is the only difference between being com- literally on the same level as the Jets right now. Huh. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. When, truth hurts. Truth and hurts. The truth does hurt, and we're you know we're going to get away from that because we're going to talk about the Jets in a little bit. Yeah. But we're going to move into our Week 7 picks. As always, the information for this is brought to you by ESPN.com. They are not an official sponsor of the podcast, but I want to give them credit uh, for where their stats and information comes from. By the way, they do a terrific job. We're going to start at the 1 p.m. window with the Panthers at the Saints. The Panthers are 3-3. Three and three, The Saints are 3-2. and two. I believe the Saints are coming off their bye week. Stat to know, Saints running back Alvin Kamara has four straight games of 100-plus scrimmage yards, the longest active streak in the NFL. He also leads all running backs in receiving yards this season with 395. That's 186 more than any other running back. Matt, I got to tell you, this New Orleans team does not make it easy to ever pick them. These are games that are slam dunks, but Michael Thomas, isn't. he's not in the lineup. Drew Brees is a shell of himself when he's not there, although we saw a little bit of the awakening against the Chargers. It's it's just a team that toys with your emotion, and these Panthers are just so young. Matt Rule has done a terrific job, by the way. I don't care if they were 2-14 and 14 on the year or 3-3 three and three where they are now. He's done a terrific job with that program, at least so far, and we're going mm, to... I want to take the upset. I really do. But I'm gonna I'm gonna trust Drew Brees in the dome at home. I'm gonna take the Saints in this game. I think the Saints went outright, but one of my favorite bets this week is Carolina plus seven and a half. Teddy Bridgewater is a cover machine. Even though New Orleans does have the human bag of jelly and Alvin Kamara, it's impossible to get a hold of when he's moving in and out of his cuts. And the the ability for him to take a hit while moving in an opposite direction and stay upright. I've never seen a running back been able to do that. With that being said, when they don't have Michael Thomas in the lineup, which he will be out again, this just the notification just came across the uh, phone right now. I just I don't see how this is not a tight game. The White Carolina has been sticking to their zone defenses and still getting enough pressure up front from their line. I division uh, games on paper. The Saints could win this game by three touchdowns, but you just don't know what team is going to show up with them. And I feel like with the way Matt Rule is having those guys play, they're going to be in it until the end of the game. Oh, it could absolutely come down to a Will Lutz field goal. I could definitely see that. Um, I'm not. I, I'm not really into the lines. I, I you know, just I'm trying to get the picks right yep. <laughs> to begin with. So I'll take the Saints at home, whether it's by a field goal or whether it's by you know, 400 touchdowns. We're going to move into our next game, also in the 1 p.m. window. That is the Packers at the Texans, the 4-1 Packers coming off their first loss of the season. Stat to know, Texans running back David Johnson has 350 rushing yards and three scores this season, more than he had in all of 2019. But he's still currently sitting at 25 straight games without a 100-yard rushing outing. So that's pretty interesting. Listen, the Texans, this is... uh, I I hope Bill O'Brien has been watching this Texans team play because it has been a thing of art ever since he got fired. And that might be the greatest thing that's happened to Houston in a long, long time. Outside of, like, hurricane relief, I like getting rid of Bill O'Brien may, may be second. 
Um, <laughs> hey, you know, hey. it's funny you say that. Uh, one of the few giant wins I've actually been able to see in person over the last few years, uh, I have a buddy from college who lives in Houston and went down and visited him. I believe that was two years ago when they played the Texans at Reliance Stadium. Um when you look at the trajectory of what that franchise could have been and just how at every j- critical juncture he made decisions that weren't even borderline, that didn't pan out. They were just not even close. Not even close. They, they were just, the trade for DeAndre Hopkins oh. to not even get a first-round pick back and to take on... David Johnson's contract that would have been similar to the one you would have given DeAndre Hopkins just made absolutely no sense. And they gave up a fourth rounder too in that deal. You know, and what message does that send to your players, to your team? Well, the- let's put it this way. This is as close as I'll get to cursing on this podcast. <laughs> that franchise is screwed. Whoever the <laughs> yeah. next GM, next head coach, they're screwed. With the, the they don't have their first and second round this year. I'm not sure about next year. They may have given something away, but they just paid Laramie Tunsil. He's the highest paid left tackle in football. Sean <laughs> Watson just got his extension. Everybody and their mother on that team's getting an extension, except for a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, who, by the way, after watching the first game of the season, you went, Wow, they really miss a big fifty fifty ball receiver. Oh, wait a minute. Hmm. They traded him away in the offseason. Oh, yeah. Brandon Cooks at 5'9 is really going to be able to catch those jump balls. Yeah, great. He's hurt every other down. Oh, Randall Cobb's 5'10, so that may help. Oh, wonderful. They <laughs> Maybe they'll stand on top of each other's shoulders and catch one. But I'm. This is tough because, like I said, they've been playing really well. They should have beaten the Titans. Mike Vrabel, little clock savvy in that game, kind of saved that game for them. I'm going to take the Packers coming off a loss here. I, I just think Aaron Rodgers, he, he's upset. He he got look he was made to look stupid after he did the key and peel celebration in the end zone when they went up ten nothing. He threw two picks in his next three passes, including a pick six. Only a start of his career, mm-hmm. which is a ridiculous stat, by the way. But I'm gonna take the Packers on the road here in Houston, closed dome. There are gonna be fans, which will be pretty fun for Aaron Rodgers and stuff like that. But uh last time I checked when he plays in, in the state of Texas with fans, a.k.a. AT&T Stadium. I know this isn't the same stadium, but when he plays in the state of Texas with fans, he usually does pretty well. I'll take the Packers in this one. I think Packers are a layup in this one. Um, the line is at three and a half. I think that's one of those kind of situations where you go, it's a little fishy why it's so low, but you can't overanalyze this game. Green Bay is a much better football team coming off an embarrassing loss, those teams tend to come out fired up. Because if they come out flat again, and even if they beat Houston, but Houston makes it a game, there's no more Packers are are one of the three teams most likely to get out of the NFC. You're immediately questioning all that. I mean, Devontae Adams, I think, is going to come back a lot stronger this week. Um, Aaron Jones, we got a notification that he did not practice today. Um, He's going to be speaking with the media later this afternoon. Um, My guess is that he does go. If they have the two of them, it'll be a no no contest. I think the Pack won by at least 10. Yeah, it should be. Again, they should just come out fired up and put the pedal to the metal and really kind of put this game away early on, and I would love to see that for them. Just Again, they got pumped last weekend down in Tampa Bay or 
Tampa Bay, as some people yeah. like to call it. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is ever busting out the Hingle McCringle Barry again. No, no, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna say no on that one. So we both got Packers in that one. We're gonna move to the, another 1 p.m. game: the Lions at the Falcons. Stat to no Lions back Lions running back. Excuse me, DeAndre Swift has a 6.9 nice per touch uh, per touch 6.9 yards per touch this season. <laughs> Best among rookie backs. He also leads the Lions with four touchdowns from scrimmage, whatever that actually means. Um, both of these teams, they suck me in. They find me a way to pick them, and now they play each other. So here's here's my dilemma. You know what? There is no dilemma. Give me the Falcons big. I'm going to take the Falcons big in this game. Ever since Dan Quinn has been fired, again, another situation where once the coach got fired, they Addition look like, by they look like a good football team. Julio Jones came back last week. He was dynamic last week in their big win against Minnesota, I believe. Uh, I'm taking the Lions in the dome. You mean Falcons? I'm yes. I'm taking the Falcons in the dome. Excuse me. Uh, the Lions will be crying for the Tigers and Bears. Oh my! Uh, I'm gonna take the Falcons in this one. This is my Costanza game. I am taking the Lions. No doubt in my mind because I agree with you on a lot of those points. Atlanta did come out fired up last week. They have a great offense. Detroit does not have a good defense, and they traded their best cornerback in Darius Slay for peanuts. Another culture. And Cracker Jacks. And Cracker Jacks, you're right, and Cracker Jacks. However, Atlanta can't stop a nosebleed. DeAndre Swift is going to run and catch all over them. The way he's responded after dropping that game-winning touchdown against the Bears in Game 1, I think shows a lot of his mental fortitude. Stafford is still somehow one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the league. I really don't think he gets talked about enough for the type of crap teams he's had to shoulder on him for years. And I think a really interesting matchup is going to be uh, Detroit's defensive line against Atlanta's offensive line. I think Atlanta's offensive line, if especially if they start doing a couple more stunts up front, are really going to be vulnerable to their pass rush, and it could cause some havoc in that game. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch, and I think we we could see an offensive explosion in that game. I think both teams could put up a lot of points, especially in the Dome. Weather is no factor. We're going to move on to the game that, oh my goodness, it might as well be decided already. The Buffalo Bills traveling to MetLife Stadium, where I've played, luckily, to play the 0-6 New York Jets. What possible stat could there be to know? Oh, wait a minute. The Jets' minus 110-point differential is the second worst in franchise history through six games. I can't believe it's been worse. Uh, Of a season, minus 122 in 1976. The team's worst mark through seven games also came in 76 when New York was outscored by 142. Will Buffalo surpass 32 points in this one? My goodness. I The Bills, the Bills, the Bills. Matt, take it over. The Bills. I mean, yeah, layup. Um, the only thing you really are concerned about this game isn't even the spread. The over-under at 45 may be a little tough to hit just simply because the uh, Bills are going to be down Dawson Knox and John Brown in this game. But, I mean, the Jets may end up being worse than the 0-16 Browns and the 0-16 Lions. Like I think their 0-16, they have yet to be competitive pretty much save the one game against the Broncos. And they still lost by double digits in that game. Oh, yeah. No, that game got closer as it 
as it, it ended up. It was kind of some garbage time points. But I, again, this team is just embarrassing. You, I watched the game against Miami last week, and you had on one play, you had a guy commit 30 yards in penalties. 30 <laughs> yards won. on a punt. On a punt, by the way. Actually, it was no, excuse. It was 25 yards. He got called for a holding, and then he ripped the dude's face mask off. So he could he got hit with a holding penalty and a face mask penalty <laughs> all in the same punt. The the Bills better win this game. The question and the money, where it goes, is by how much. The I, the, the the result is not in doubt. This is one of those set it and forget it games. You don't even question it. You're, you're paying your mounts rent with this. Oh, I will be forgetting it, believe me. We're going to move on to another. This might be the absolute toilet bowl. A few years ago, this would have absolutely been the toilet bowl. The 4-2 and two Browns travel to Cincinnati to play the 1-4-1 and one Bengals. That one tie obviously came against the Eagles. Stat to know in this game, Browns wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. is averaging career lows in targets per game, catches per game, receiving yards, yards after the catch per reception, and percentage of routes targeted. And his yards after the catch per reception ranks 86th out of 92 qualified receivers. Listen, he's been really, it, I, he's gone from ba- he's gone from Eli Manning to Baker Mayfield. I I don't know really what to say other than that. Listen. That is about as brown as it gets. Full pun intended. They have been they have been just a rocket ship. I think. When are we gonna say that Baker Mayfield is the number one overall pick? is not better than Eli Manning on the back half of his career where Eli Manning was bad. Oh, yeah. For multiple... And I am probably one of the biggest Eli apologists there is. Baker Mayfield, for that same draft, the amount of quarterbacks that they could have gotten, the hole they could have gotten for that number one overall pick. Could you imagine Sam Darnold with the team that he has on the Browns? I know. I bet you Jeff fans don't. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, that's. We'll get into that later. I mean, you got to roll with the Browns here. Unfortunately, I just think Cincinnati's defense is terrible, and Stefanski is smart enough to know to just pound the rock, make it so that Baker's only making play action throws, rollout boots, simple reads. It's clear and evident he does not break down the defense in the right way to actually utilize the weapons that they have in Odell and Jarvis and Hooper properly. It's crazy, and I, I think I think if I remember correctly, Nick Chubb is out this week. He's still out, yeah. Still Kareem Hunt is a very <laughs> serviceable backup, oh, believe me. He may end up getting – it may be a 50-50 timeshare by the time Chubb comes back healthy, and that's no slate on Chubb either. Right. And uh, Lord only knows what Miles Garrett is about to do to Joe Burrow. We we can only speculate and wait and see. We're gonna move on. I'm I'm taking the Browns <laughs> in that game as well. Uh, that off their offensive line, by the way, has looked really really good. And obviously, you have a good run game. Your offensive line better be good. But the addition of Jedrick Wills, Jack Conklin on the right side, they've been absolutely terrific so far. Moving on to the team that got annihilated by the Arizona Cardinals, the Dallas Cowboys at Washington. Uh, this has been listen. Andy Dalton's QBR was thirty nine. You like look at his stats and you like see thirty four completions out of fifty four attempts, and you're like, okay, he had to have a decent game, right? No, he threw for like two fifty four, one touchdown, two picks, thirty nine quarterback rating, awful, just garbage stuff. 
They look nothing, nothing the same uh, with without Dak since the minute that injury happened. They played an awful Giants team and somehow squeaked that one out. And I, I think they go down to Washington. This is so tough. And again, Washington coming off that demoralizing defeat at MetLife Stadium last week. Oh man, this is <laughs> this might make or break who wins this week between you and I. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Dallas. I'm so happy I'm, you said that. I'm going to take Dallas. I think there's still some injuries to that defensive line. That defensive line is great when they get when they can set up and rush the passer. How do you neutralize that? You run the football right at them. You slow down the passer rush. They have to get Ezekiel Elliott going. I don't care that their top five offensive linemen from last year are gone. You're in the NFL for a reason. Listen, I'm not in the NFL for a reason. They're in the NFL for a reason. <laughs> Nut up and run the ball down the football team's throat. By the way, that nickname might stay so through 2021, which is disgusting, awful. But I'm going to take the Cowboys because I think they get just enough out of Zeke. Zeke's been he's been average since he got paid. I think they get just enough out of him in this game. There's a couple things I need to say. First and foremost, the man who was because I'm sure that Daniel Snyder paid hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, to some outside consulting firm to help him make the decision on what to name the franchise. Whatever man duped him into collecting a fat check to name it the Washington football team is the greatest thief in the history of mankind. Fleeced. Fleeced him for money. Fleeced cumpleaños? Oh, not a senor. Washington is winning this game. Here's why. You're absolutely right that, you know, guys in the NFL, you got to run the ball down your throat. Ezekiel Elliott is a great downhill runner. They, they're missing four out of their five guys. There's no way. That's the one thing Washington on defense is going to be able to neutralize. Now, if they had Dak... This is a no-brainer. You'd bet the house on the Cowboys because with those uh, with those weapons on the outside and Cooper, Lamb, and Gallup, Washington secondary is weak. You saw what Darius Slayton did to them. And a, not that I love I love Darius Slayton, but he's not one of those three guys. No, he's not. You have Andy Dalton running for his life. He is great when he can sit in a pocket and well. Let's put it this way. Let's scale back great. He is league average when he has a fantastic pocket to work in, which most of the guys in the NFL would be about average with the best offensive line in football. You don't have that right now. Complimented with the fact that Dallas's defense can't stop a cold, I just think this is going to be an ugly, in-the-trenches matchup. I think after last week, the way that team is fighting for Riverboat Ron, they're going to just claw out a victory. I think they make make another dramatic go-for-two or fourth-down call. This time they pulls through. Give me Washington. Yeah. Well, we are going to see next week, obviously, after <laughs> Sunday. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the, not Oakland, the Las Vegas Raiders. Stat to know, the Buccaneers allow a league low 282 yards per game, and they have the best pass rush win rate, 55% in the NFL. They blitz at the second highest rate, 41%, and give up the fewest rush yards per game at 
Listen, we've got Raider fans that listen to this podcast, Raider fans that have been on this podcast. This is Tampa Bay. They've been rolling here. Tom Brady looks great. He look, He's starting to look like he used to look just a little bit, okay, and just enough, but it's the defense. The defense is stifling. You look at it. Packers scored 10 straight coming out in that last game. <laughs> they shut him out the rest of the game. And Todd Bowles, credit to Todd Bowles, who I think got a raw end of the stick in New York, although he might actually be more thankful now that he's out of there. And he's got that defense flying around. They put a lot of pressure on opposing quarterbacks. So you better have your protection set. You better have your offensive line uh, ready to go. And you better have your helmet screwed in tight. Because they are going to come at you. They've got two of the best middle linebackers in the entire league. in Devin White and Levante David. Just absolute studs across that defense. So give me Tampa Bay in this one. Tampa Bay is a layup even if the uh, Raiders' offensive line is actually able to play this week. Which they might not be able to. We still don't know. Trent Brown, their left tackle, tested positive for coronavirus, I believe, or he was put on the reserve list, so you can only make your own thoughts through that. uh, I think regardless, even if they play, Tampa is just one of those teams this year that in any matchup where it's not against a top seven team, you got to take them. I think even Tom, it's clear Tom Brady may not be exactly the Tom Brady physically that we have seen. I think you're seeing a little bit of a diminishment in arm strength. That team went seven and nine with Jameis Winston throwing a pick six every other game last year, having 30 interceptions, not to mention fumbles. This team is wildly talented on multiple fronts on the defense, the offensive line. You can obviously go on and on about their receiving core and tight ends and everything else. I think Ronald Jones has been more than serviceable. He's been a he's been a better James White. This may be the most talented team Tom Brady has oh, I ever. Th- I don't think it's close. Ever played with. I I don't even think it's close. I, I think the t- the most talented players. Uh, t- talented with offensive Moss. players. Oh, I agree with he's you. He's the most talented player he's, a player he's played with. But I think it's a whole unit. I think yes. this, I think this Tampa. Team I think this uh, offense is hands down. I just think m- the defense. Yet we still have to juries a little out because. I mean, that 03 and 04 team, I mean, they had six Hall of Famers on the team. Right. But, hands down, it's the most talented offense he's had. They also have the greatest coach of all time. Greatest coach of all time. Well, right, that's a whole wild card in and of itself. itself, Exactly. I mean, listen, we could have an entire podcast on the impact Bill Belichick has game in and game out for the Patriots. No doubt about it. I just feel like Tampa, Tampa Bay... they know and understand this moment, the the significance of what has happened. This is not... This is, I think, a script that for some reason, after everything Tom Brady has done, proving that he is the best quarterback to ever lace it up, people are still doubting him. And until he can no longer do it, I can't... I can't, as much as I want to say, ah, it's somebody else's turn, even with Mahomes, Mahomes may end up being that game wrecker where he just, there's nothing even Tom can do, but I'm not going to count Tom out until I see it. Right. And that's a, that's a smart 
smart idea. And that's actually a great segue because our next game is moving to the 425 window. That's the Chiefs versus at the Broncos. So really your stat to know here is Denver is 4-1 against the spread as an underdog this year. The spread right now is KC minus 10 is what ESPN.com has. I'm going to take the Chiefs in this game. We talked about this a little bit before the show. I think this is a much closer game than a lot of people are going to give it credit for. The Broncos have severely underperformed. They just haven't been that great this year. But I think in a divisional matchup, in mile high, again, that is to me the one thing this year that you can guarantee home field advantage about. Not not the fans, because there's not enough of them there anymore, but it's the, it's the altitude. That altitude plays a factor when you're playing football in it. And so, but I, I, not enough. This is where Patrick Mahomes got hurt last year, by the way, was in Denver on a QB sneak. Interested to see if they get down there, if they go with the QB sneak or not. <laughs> I think this is the Chiefs, but I think it's a lot. I think it's closer than 10 points. I agree with that sentiment 100%. Casey's going to win. I think Denver will cover. Um, I, when you bring up the high altitude, that is going to dramatically impact the speed receivers of the Chiefs, which is really the engine as group. Mahomes is the most gifted thrower of the football I've ever seen in my entire life. But what makes that offense so successful is they have so many guys. You literally can constantly run verticals, look for the matchup, and chuck it. And once a defense has to respect that, and you can act, you have to play the entire length of the field with them. Good luck. Which exactly? Good luck. With that being said. Denver does have a strong enough defensive unit where I don't think Kansas City is just going to run away, put up 45 points on this team. And the divisional games, it's always different. I'm always hesitant, unless it's the New York Jets, to anything more than a touchdown in a divisional game is really tough. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. And you look at it, the Kansas City Chiefs, I believe, going to get their star acquisition this week in Le'Veon Bell. So we'll see Clyde Edwards-Hilaire really put on a great audition last week. We'll see how that fares this week. Moving on to uh, the team that the Chiefs had to beat in order to, uh, well, no. They they lost to a couple years ago on the famous offsides, and then uh, they lost in overtime. The New England Patriots are coming off a bad, bad loss. Uh, they play the 49ers at home. The stat to know is 49ers quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo is averaging 7.4 yards per attempt this season, 18th in the NFL, down from 8.4 in 2019, which was third. I'm going to put it this simple. It's Bill Belichick. It's the Patriots. It's in Foxborough. I don't think they lose two in a row. Cam Newton's finally getting back to full strength. I'm taking the Pats. Mortal lock of the week, New England Patriots. You mean to tell me the guy that Bill Belichick trained and groomed for years who wanted to keep over Tom Brady, a banged-up team, Bill Belichick and the Patriots, there's not many times you could say they got embarrassed in a game. They were embarrassed last week. Mm -hmm. You think he's losing two in a row at home? No. You're out of your mind. No. this This is the game... You go in, you log on to your app, you place your bet, you set it, you forget it, and you plan dinner with your girlfriend later in the week on how you just paid for that game. Yep. Thank and you. The weird, the weird stat from last week was Bill Belichick was thirty nine and zero when not allowing a touchdown in his entire career. 
He's now 39 and 1 as the Broncos beat them with six field goals, which just wildly absurd. Not we, happening again. No. As we continue forward, I would say probably a snooze bowl would be the one and five Jaguars at the one and four Chargers. We give a big shout out to one of our managers. Yeah, no, I feel that. One of our big <laughs> managers, Russ. He's a Charger fan. I'm taking the Chargers this week. I really like what I've seen out of Justin Herbert. Uh, again, that defense is just good enough. I think they could be obviously much better when they get Derwin James back next year if his glass bones can hold. But I really like what Herbert's doing. And I think just, you know, these these comebacks that he's facing are coming against the likes of Tom Brady and Drew Brees. Well, I don't think that comeback's coming via Gardner Minshew. They got embarrassed last week, too, the, the Jaguars did. I'm taking the Chargers in this one pretty easy. Chargers are definitely winning this game outright. I personally am going to stay away stay away from this line. Um, the Chargers have had a pattern over the last several years of really playing to their competition, both good and bad. I think what you're starting to see with Herbert versus Rivers is he's not making the backbreaking mistake that Rivers would. And it wasn't even just turnovers with Rivers, which he did throw a lot of. But it you knew when the game when push come, came to shove, you just were holding your breath going, how's this going to end badly with him? I feel they in the team knows even with Justin Herbert, he's playing out of his mind to the point where they shouldn't they wouldn't be in these games without him. I think now that they're pl- not playing a team that is in the top 10, they're going to roll. Yeah, and uh, I believe Tyrod Taylor is going to be eligible to be back up this week. I think he's back after that accidental punctured lung via the team doctor. And, uh, <laughs> well, uh, Oops. <laughs> yeah, try to explain that one. We're going to move to the Sunday night game, the Seahawks at the Cardinals, the undefeated Seahawks coming off their bye week. Playing the Cardinals now. DeAndre Hopkins is a little banged up with an ankle injury. Cliff Kingsbury said he is hopeful the star wide receiver plays. I Matt, I really just like Seattle too much. I really this defense is atrocious. The problem is Russell Wilson is so good, and Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf in the fourth quarter is electrifying, and it's becoming the go-to duo in the entire National Football League. And it's basically saying, hey, I'm going to this guy when it matters the most. Try to stop him. Oh, by the way, he's a physical specimen in like <laughs> 6'4", 235, can run a 4'3", and was the steal of the draft last year. So good luck. I'm taking Seattle. Like I said, banged up DeAndre Hopkins. You don't know what you're getting. Kyler Murray, he's had some turnovers here as of late. So I'm going to go with the trusty hand of Russell Wilson. I'm with you on this. I am also Team Seattle. I am just a little bit more cautious. And I'm somebody who has both Russ and DK in my normal fantasy and dynasty fantasy leagues. So I am all about that. I understand what a potent connection that is becoming, and I still think has room to get better. With that being said, the one team that has seemed to give DK fit so far has been the Arizona Cardinals. In the, la- in the two games that he played against them last year, he had a grand total of six targets, one catch for five yards. They play the most man-to-man, and Patrick Peterson is going to be shadowing him all over the field. And I guarantee you, if they're not flat-out doubling him, a safety is going to be over him at all times. I, st- I still think he's going to have a good game because he's just that good now. 
but don't be surprised if this is a game where Metcalf only has like two catches for 30 yards, but Tyler Lockett goes off for 150 and a couple touchdowns. Seattle's got a lot of weapons, and Russell Wilson just knows how to take what takes what the defense gives and makes big plays when it's needed. When and it's I think that's going to be the difference. When it matters the most, absolutely. And Russ, we trust that my roommate's from Seattle. He's been texting me. That's all he said. In Russ, we trust. In yep. Bill, we trust. Russ, in New it's England, right. it's, it's in Russ, we trust. And I'm also a little nervous with uh, Arizona this week. DeAndre Hopkins is still questionable to be playing. Cliff Kingsbury said earlier today he's hopeful that he's going to be able to play. You know DeAndre Hopkins is a warrior and a baller, but if he's not 100%, that offense just doesn't click the same. Right. I think, like you said with DK, just being that guy that he's going to get the football and there's nothing you can do about it, DeAndre Hopkins is that is that guy. Right. If they don't have him, that's going to be really tough to beat Seattle. That it is. And we're going to move to Seattle's divisional rival, the Monday night football game. That's Bears at the Rams. Stat to know, this is the fifth time in the past 30 years that the Bears have started 5-1 and one or better. They did it in 2012, 2006 when they went to the Super Bowl against Peyton Manning and the Colts. 2001 and 1990, they made the playoffs at all but one of those seasons, which was 2012. I will say this, Matt, I've been saying this, and my buddy Brock's listening to this thing. The Bears are the worst 5-1 and one team in NFL history. <laughs> and I, give me Sean McVay this week. Just give me the creativity I think he's got something up his sleeve. You give him an extra day to prepare, an extra day in the film room. It's going to burn his eyes. He's going to need his glasses. But uh, I think I think that's a scary sight to see. I'm taking the Rams this week. I I, I like them in an upset. Upset? They're a favorite. Yeah, but let's be honest. They shouldn't be. I don't think they should be. Um, I think the way Chicago's been playing, they, they I, deserve to be the favorite. Well, Vegas, I mean, Vegas is going to differ with you. Plus five and a half, Vegas plus 200 money. on the money line. Vegas is trying, trying to make, to make money. money. You know, you know that the house which, is trying to make some money, which is make, makes me a little nervous because I love Chicago in this game. I think uh, BDN, Mister Nick Foles, is going to come in and torch his former team. Um, as long as Aaron Donald doesn't rip off his head, which he might, which he might. Um, the other thing that does make me a little bit nervous about Chicago straight up in this game is if Jalen Ramsey takes out Allen Robinson. If that happens, it could get ugly in the other way. Now, Chicago's been running the ball pretty well. We know how stout their defense has been. Um, I think the Rams now, I think their McVay's creativity has gotten a little bit better because he doesn't have... When you have a guy like Todd Gurley, it's just easy to just force feed him the football. I think now it's kind of opening up their offense a little and expanding their looks. But uh, Akeem Akeem Hicks, who's questionable right now, if he plays as great, we all know what Khalil Mack does. For uh, he's the, if not the best, one of the three best defensive linemen in the entire game. Hicks just makes that team. A complete it gives the team a completely different dynamic. If he's on that field, I don't see the Rams scoring above 17 points. And if that's the case, they're not going to win. Bears 21 17. We'll, uh, Upset of the week. We'll have to wait and see. And you must be wondering why we skipped the game. Well, we didn't. We saved the best for last. That's 1 p.m. on Sunday, somehow. These <laughs> 5 0 Steelers at the 5 0 Titans. Really, the stat you want to look for here Tennessee running back Derrick Henry. 
has 588 yards on the ground, leads all rushers in the NFL. The Steelers' run defense is second in the NFL, allowing 66 yards per game. This is strength on strength. And we're going to find out a lot about Ryan Tannehill. And thank God he got away from Adam Gase. And he's living up to that contract he got this offseason. I didn't think he could, but it seems like he's starting to pan out just a hair bit. We'll uh, we'll have to wait and see. But this is going to be the big test. Because I think this Steeler defense is, number one, historically great. And number two, going to find a way to limit Derrick Henry. You don't stop Derrick Henry. You only hope to limit him. Now, what does that mean yardage-wise? I ain't got a damn clue. I don't know. But I think they're going to limit him. He's not going to have the big game, 264 yards like he had last week. They're going to force Ryan Tannehill to beat them with their arm. Uh, beat him with beat them with his arm. A.J. Brown's coming back. He's healthy now. He's big, ready to ball out. Big target down the field. I'm going... Well, this is... This is tough. This is really, really <laughs> tough. It is... It, you know what? Give me Tennessee in this game. I they've just been finding different ways to win. So the Steelers, they beat the Giants. So boo Steelers. I'm gonna go with the Titans. I agree with you on the Titans. I'm actually gonna pull up Pittsburgh's schedule. Not to say Pittsburgh has been absolutely impressive. And I think They play Cleveland. I know that. They play Cleveland, yep. They played the Giants. They played the Giants. Um hold on one second. Week five. They played the Eagles. Ew. They were off week four, right? Week yeah, four that, was their this COVID was the t- week. This game was supposed to be week four. Right. And it got rescheduled. Week three was the Texans, who they only beat by seven. Great. Wasn't that Bill O'Brien's last game? Second to last. Second to last game. Second to last. And then they beat the Broncos. They beat the Broncos and by the Broncos. five. They have not played. And when you look at the teams Tennessee has beaten, they spanked the Buffalo Bills. That they did. That they did. That they did. They beat the Vikings. They beat the Texans. They beat the Jaguars. They beat the Broncos. So neither one of these teams has played anybody great. uh, I would would consider Buffalo a top 10. Right. No, no, I'm saying that's the separator is Buffalo. I I think Buffalo, obviously Josh Allen hasn't looked the same these last couple weeks. But that would be the separator to me. That's probably the best team on either team's schedule so far. I think this is going to be a great game one of those 17 to 13 24 to 20 type games i don't see this getting really high scoring um i think a huge difference maker this week and honestly what may be the x factor and me pick, picking tennessee over pittsburgh john smith is active for this weekend and he's fully healthy I think as good as A.J. Brown has been now that he's fully healthy, they have Joe Hayden, and they're going to shadow Fitzpatrick on him a lot. Tannehill has done a phenomenal job of just taking what the defense gives him, and now that he has his second-best target back, I think that's going to open up a lot of things for them where they can kind of keep drives going. You know they're going to be stout up front that it's going to be a lot of quicker throws. They have to with T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree coming down on them. Um, I also kind of think that Pittsburgh's offense doesn't match up that great with the strengths of the Tennessee Titans' defense. I don't see Connor really being that much of a threat. And if they're smart, which Mike Vrabel is a great coach, they're going to take Chase Claypool completely out of this game and dare Big Ben to use the rest of the guys to beat him. And I think that's going to end up being the difference in this game. It's going to be a fun matchup, and that's going to do it for our Week 7 picks. 
And uh, just looking ahead to Week 8, we got the Falcons at Carolina on Thursday night. Give me Carolina in that one. Last thing on the NFL, Matt, I, and I want this to be a very simple answer. How long can the Jets stay with Adam Gase? Give me a week. Give me a day. Something like that. Should have been yesterday. Well, should have been like 30 days ago. Let's. So, I realistically think if they're somewhat competitive against Buffalo and lose, he may make it through Buffalo. Uh, I don't know who they have next week. Uh, let's actually check that out. Oh God, I don't. I don't even know if I want to look. I don't. This yeah, is so bad. Uh, let's let's just try uh, to they, get. Oh, they go to Kansas City when they play Le'Veon Bell. So good luck. Um, uh-huh. let's put it this way: if the Jets are smart, they wait till the Kansas City game and get so utterly embarrassed that, that it's just at this point it's not even a question. Though to be quite honest. I think we're sleeping on Joe Douglas a little. I think he knew this was not going to be a winning formula and a sabotage Gase at every turn. They shopped, They had a talent dearth across multiple positions and shopped in the bargain basement for everything. I, they did not have the talent to begin with. So if you don't have the talent to begin with and you go bargain hunting, odds are... Unless you have a great talent developer, they're going to go nowhere. Adam Gase, out of the 32 coaches, forget about play calling. Forget about command of a team. He has hands down the worst developer of talent, probably in the NFL in the last decade, even with Bill O'Brien being in the NFL. Oh, yeah, it's not even close. You look at every... What Jarvis Landry has done since being under his clutches. Ryan Tannehill... Jay Ajayi before he got hurt. Right. Robbie Anderson. Robbie now. Anderson with now with Carolina. Like, you can just keep going on and on. See, I don't under... And again, it, the Giants right now are terrible. At least with Joe Judge, I see a team that's fighting. The Giants have pride. Even though they, 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 had, don't, they do not have the talent... They still are a losing team and find ways to lose. I've not had to doubt the Giants once this year for not giving 100% every play. The Jets have laid down every game from San Francisco on. Laid down, with the exception of the Bronco game that they fought back a little bit after being down three scores. Yeah. I, and here's the problem, though, with the with the Chiefs thing. I don't think that's in, I think a 24 nothing loss to Miami is more embarrassing than getting blown out by the defending Super Bowl champs. I really do. And I and I think I don't I don't know what it's going to take. I don't see another cupcake on this team's schedule. No. Like so, the, what are they really? They're going to say, well, we weren't talented enough no. anyway. I I agree with you that the wor- loss of Dolphins at twenty four nothing would be worse than losing fifty nothing to Kansas City. But I feel like they, the Jets, in order to for the public perception, because that's the only thing man ownership is obsessed with. There, they need that. Oh my God, this is so pathetic. Loss in order to actually axe them in the middle of the season. Because guess what. They fire him, they're going to win a couple games. And if they oh, yeah. lose Trevor Lawrence as a result of that. Oh, and you got the Jet fans debating 
about whether they want Trevor Lawrence. That's a discussion for another episode. Another episode. Some breaking news. The Arizona Cardinals have traded for Mark uh, outside linebacker defensive end Marcus Golden from the Giants in exchange for a sixth round pick. So uh, Golden, just a sixth. Golden is on the move. Yes, uh, that is. Oh, that is a. <laughs> that is that is a great move for the Cardinals. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Well, oh, that's going to do it for the NFL. Oh, a little breaking news there. We're moving to college. We got to go quickly through some of this stuff. The Big Ten is back this week, which means Rutgers. Get ready for your 2-7 and seven season, however freaking many games you're playing. The Pac-12 is back in two weeks on November 6th. Great. The MAC is coming back at <laughs> some point. Awesome. I love Maction, baby. Absolutely. Moving into high school football, we got Pompton Lakes versus Saddlebrook. Played in one of the greatest games I've ever been a part of my freshman year. I was the water boy. Robbie Myers throws a Hail Mary to Dan Foote with no time left for Pompton Lakes. Sends them to MetLife Stadium for the second straight year. Preserve our perfect season. So Saddlebrook comes down to Pompton Lakes this week. They also played actually in 2011 and Pompton Lakes won that game at home on a game winning field goal where the state bleachers almost broke. Why? Why do I know that? Cause I was standing on them <laughs> and <laughs> that place erupted and that was crazy. So Pompton Lakes versus Saddlebrook on Saturday, I'm covering the game for WTBQ and WGHT, the radio station that I work for. That should be a really fun game on the Durf. And if you don't know what Durf is, it's a mixture of just crap. It really is. It's awful grass. Moving into the NBA, last time uh, the Lakers were coming off their championship, LeBron is silencing his doubters or at least trying to. The NBA season, I've said this and will continue to say this, start on Christmas. Start on Christmas. It's the best time of year. Everybody doesn't count any regular season game before that. Okay? They all say the season starts on Christmas. The M- start the season on Christmas. The NBA does not exist to me before Christmas. Right. Exact you you are exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. And oh, and by the way, October twenty second, we passed the day. That was one year ago the season started. And the season ended October eleventh, twenty twenty. Listen, and I think wild year. I think they're realizing too that they're the second biggest sport in this country behind the NFL. They will eat baseball alive in June, July with playoff basketball. Well, that's going to be tough with the Olympics, so we're going to have to see how that. Uh, that is true this in. year, but I'm saying but going year, forward. Yes. But, but going forward after that, I think, and it'll, it'll definitely dramatically increase the regular season viewership, especially now with everything that's been going on. Somehow, in the middle of the COVID nineteen pandemic, viewership of sports has been down. As more people have been home, I think it's been to a myriad of issues, but I think now what you're beginning to see, the NBA out of the four major sports, I feel like is the most responsive to regards to the data they see and where they're trying to move the league. Um, You know, Adam Silver does so much to, even though they're, they're not perfect all the time, they make sure that they give their players a platform to advance the league and do a great job of making it a global game. Yep, and that, and that's the big thing. And we're going to see what they do. And again, ladies and gentlemen, I want you. To, I want to make this very, very clear. Outside of a PGA Tour Championship, the WNBA Finals, and other regular golf events on CBS, every sports league, no matter what their stances are on anything, have had viewership drop. Period. Exclamation point. That's just been the way it is. I think people are struggling with a lot. 
right yeah. now. And, oh, and it's un- a, it, unemployment. You know, you're not really. Uh, thi- you're not. You're thinking about feeding your family. Exactly. Not really. Li- you know, watching sports. I think it. You know, it does. It weighs on people. It, it really. It really, really does. You know, especially now. There's been a bunch of crazy movies and documentaries, like Tiger King. All that kind of stuff has come out. I think people right now are still struggling to get back into normalcy. Watching a sports game, sports has been the beacon of normalcy. No matter what crises we've had, I mean, I still remember as a little kid during 9-11. The Mike Piazza game. The Mike Piazza. I'm a Yankees fan. The Mike Piazza. I cried during the Mike Piazza game. You know, seeing Derek Jeter hit a home run in November. Like, just the whole city rallying. And you just can't do it now. You just, when you're watching a game and uh, not seeing fans in the stands, I'm so grateful that we have the sports back, but it's not the same. Right, it takes a different level. So like you and I, I, I would say, you know, We're we love having it back. We're watching everything. But the typical sports fan's going to say, well, this is just like a scrimmage yeah. or something like that. And they, they're not going to pay attention to it. To me, like, you know, during the, uh, for example, in the NBA bubble, I thought it was so cool that it was nobody in the like it was playing you know pick up basketball in the gym like yeah. uh, guys can yell and everybody in the arena here is like I'm better than you you can't stop to me that's great but guess what I, I'm an avid follower of the sport right the avid follower is going to be there regardless that's not what's going to bring these leagues their revenue right and and it's it's really a minority group per se is like uh, is super avid sports fans. Yes. What you're really trying to do is as a sports league is get that general population because you already have the avid sports fans. Yeah. You want to get more of the majority and I just I, I think I think people want to see fans back. They really but they obviously again they want it to be smart. It's very and even I said this about the NBA bubble when they brought the families down and stuff like that. Yes. It reminds you of high school basketball games. Really. Yeah. When the when the parents would start talking crap about the other team. It'd be hilarious. We had Rajon Rondo's brother yes. talking smack to Russell Westbrook. Could you imagine hilarious? Could you imagine next year if both LaMelo Ball and Lonzo are in the playoffs and Lavar's And Lavar's in the bubble? Oh <laughs> Lavar's my goodness. In, I I mean they're gonna have a Lavar cam. Yeah. That's going to be ridiculous. But, speaking speaking of which Lonzo, is great for people like us, but guess what? The average person is going to watch three minutes of Levar yeah. Ball ranting and raving and turn and off. Turn it off. Speaking of Lonzo, actually, he uh, just got a new head coach, Stan Van Gundy. We also had the LA Clippers get a new coach in Tyron Lue. I think that's a really solid hire. I didn't like what he said in the opening press to talk about how Kawhi and PG lead by example. If it's any replica of the example they set this past season in the conference semis, they're screwed. Like, if that's the example they're setting for their teammates, they are in trouble. And Kawhi Leonard showing up late to flights, team meetings, falling asleep, or, or not not paying attention during film sessions, that is inexplicable. That cannot happen from a top player. If Kawhi Leonard wasn't as quiet as he was, we used to, people used to say Kevin Durant, Got to pass. Oh, yeah. There has been no superstar in the NBA who has gotten more of a pass than Kawhi Leonard. Oh, of course not. Yeah, no. He no. is just... He talks about Again, he is just as culpable as Doc Rivers and Paul George for that collapse against Denver. But it's a player's league. That's why it's, Doc Rivers got fired. It's a player... Well, uh, and let's be realistic. Doc Rivers is an overrated coach. Oh yeah, I mean he has. He won, I, his, he won not, his only championship 
with the big three. The first, and Rajon Rondo. And, and playoff Rondo, by the way. So yeah. that helps. He's also blown three 3-1 leads. No coach has ever done that. He's done it through three different presidential administrations, which yep. is a, an accomplishment in and of itself. Just wild. But Ty Lue now. Uh, but again, this is what I hate. I see this whole, well, Ty Lue knows LeBron like nobody else. They said the same thing about Spolstra, and he ate him alive. Okay, like, this is not, you know, I, I I want people to be very, very careful how we say people know LeBron to a certain extent as if he's not going to have a counter to what that person already knows. Just just watch that matchup next year. It's going to be a lot of fun in my eyes, and I think, oh, boy, it, it's This is LeBron of, James's league until somebody else rips it course, away from him. Of course, and he's, and, he's and Golden he's State still the best player. And, and, again, Golden State had to get Kevin Durant in order to rip it away from him yeah. for a bit. They couldn't beat a healthy LeBron team. They didn't beat a healthy LeBron team. Uh, again, I think 2016, they did have some bad breaks that mm-hmm. series, and I think they were gassed from going for the record. With that being said, if they ended up meeting in 2017 again without Durant, I I, I, I don't. I think that. we may have had a different narrative. I, I just... What LeBron James is doing still at this age, now having the best teammate he has ever had in Anthony Davis. The guy, his role players, he's finally got players that fit. Alex Caruso. The Caruso, baby. Man. Love that guy. It, how many teams did LeBron play on where he only had one or two guys that were just, even though they weren't the best, they were scrappy guys who made winning plays. He got a lot. They had a lot of winning players. Even though Danny Green had a terrible playoffs, he's a winning player. Oh yeah, he's won in two in two different teams. Right, he's won in three different teams now. Not three different teams now. And that's the thing, Matt. That to me is is very. We need to get this very very clear. I think one of LeBron's best attributes, and maybe his best, some would argue, he gets everything out of his teammates. No matter if you're number one on the bench. Or you're number 10. He gets everything out of his role players. He expects a lot. They perform at a certain level. He's been in the finals 10 of his last healthy years. Mm-hmm. Okay? Outside of... He was hurt in 2018. Exactly. You know, or, or 2019, I should say. 2019, yeah. And uh, so... But he gets the best out of everybody. And I want to wrap up the episode by talking a little bit about baseball. The last time we were here... <laughs> The Rays were in the midst of a choke job. We didn't know what was going to happen. They rallied. They finally shut down the Astros in Game 7 after almost becoming the 2004 Yankees, which would have been awful. The Dodgers made a 3-1 comeback against the Atlanta Braves. Just add that to another Atlanta team choking. No surprise. (laughs) The series right now is tied at 1. Clayton Kershaw was vintage Kershaw in Game 1. Beautiful sight to see. Blake Snell comes out in Game 2 for the Rays. He's really good in Game 2. Ends up taking them pretty far, and they win Game 2. So, Game 3 is Friday night. Game 4 is Saturday night, and Game 5 is Sunday night. So, we're going to have a clearer picture as the weekend ends. Matt, I want to get your thoughts on who wins this series. I said at the beginning of the series, Dodgers in 7, and I think that's what I'm going to stick with. I think in terms of the rotations that these guys have and the way that it's been out, I think a lot of these matchups have been staggered. I think 
the only marquee matchup you have is going to be right now in Game 3, Bueller versus Morton, which if it does go to 7, that may happen again. But I feel like the Aces are not really stacked up. You knew Tampa Bay needed Game 2 on the Dodgers' bullpen game in order to have a shot in the series. And to be fair, they came out and did. Both teams have been hitting like crazy. I just... I kind of just feel like baseball this year is very wonky where it's, unless a team is just so much better, it's you never it's know. tough to win two or three games. You're, nobody's winning two games in a row pretty much, let alone three in a row. There's no way this goes only five. Um, I think another thing too is the power in that. I think this is where the series is separated. I think in terms of pitching the bullpen, Rays and Dodgers are pretty much even. The power in the Dodgers lineup. You got Muncie. You got Bellinger. Corey Seager has hit more home runs from his playoff performances in Arlington Ballpark, or the ballpark of Arlington. Global Life Park. Global Life Park now? Jeez, oh, I'm, I'm getting old, man. Seager has hit more home runs in the 15 playoff games he's played there than all the Texas Rangers did during their regular season. It, oh, they suck. Even with G-Man Choi, who was the first uh, Korean player to uh, get a hit in a World Series game, they do have a couple other bats. I just I think the Dodgers' ability to score runs is what's going to finally enable them to come and pull through. Because if they don't do it this year... When will they? The, I don't... How can they? Your psyche at that point is just fractured. Right. At least, at least you have the last two times you were like, oh, they cheated. So, like, your psyche's a little bit different once you find out that both teams, the Astros and the Red Sox, cheated at a certain point in that series. So, your psyche's right there. But you lose this one in a year where you should win it. You have the best record. I, best again, team. you're playing the best team in the AL. At least the Rays. The Rays were they, hands they were, down the best year, team this year. From wire to other than the Yankees' first two weeks, from that point on, the Tampa Bay Rays were the best team in the American League and didn't once come back down to earth. Oh, um, Houston almost took them down, but well, thank God they did. Then they rallied, but. You got the battle of the highest payroll in the league versus the lowest payroll in the league. The Rays at $28.3 million. I have the Dodgers in six in this. I believe I picked well, I picked Yankees-Dodgers at the beginning of the year. Obviously, mm-hmm. the Yankees didn't get here. Um, but I think the Dodgers take this in six. Mookie Betts, I want to just rub this in Boston's face just a hair <laughs> bit more. I, I hope you have nightmares every night that you let this man walk out the door. You traded him. Again, they didn't get him for nothing, but you traded him. You, he got his new contract. He looks ridiculously good. Mookie Betts oh, is one man. of the five best players in baseball, and you traded him for a bunch of maybes. He was he was at the time, and probably likely still is, the second best player in baseball. Behind, He's hands down. Behind, top, behind, behind Trout. Trout. He's hands down in the top because five. It's, well, it's not even else up. is behind Trout. Exactly. Trout, Trout's one. I... Yeah, especially after this performance, Mookie made. But Mookie's hands down in the top five, and you try to say anything else, you're crazy, right? And you try how you you are not the Pittsburgh Pirates. You're like you're not the Detroit Tigers. You're how are the New York Mets, Mets who say they can't afford people, which is a lie, by the way. But go ahead. John Henry owns Arsenal. Yeah, 
Oh yeah. Ask ask those people how much they like him. I don't. I'm pretty sure he won't set foot in England because they'll. <laughs> I told you. I, I told you. I hope they have nightmares about that. Oh, you know, and honestly, the stupid run that Boston sports has been on in the last twenty years. Finally, at least the Red Sox are just completely taking themselves out of the picture now. Yeah, they kind of did it to themselves. Yeah, completely did. And w- Especially they had other players, Benintendi, who Yankee, another Yankee killer. I mean. You had Ben Attendee, Brock Sale. Holt was a Yankee killer, too. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. S- Sale kicked their butts a lot now with He'll his Tommy next John. Year. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see, but you don't... To, to sit there and say you couldn't afford the contract is just... Everybody knows you're lying. Oh, yeah. Say you're rebuilding. Say you need to do whatever. Don't sit there. And again... Like, financially speaking, Mookie Betts is going to make you more money than Mookie Betts not being on the team. I understand that there's cost involved. I understand the luxury tax penalties. You do what most teams do. Figure out a way around it. Show him a vision. Encourage him to stay. He would have stayed. Oh, yeah. He wanted to stay. It just... Despicable. After, after seeing how... Badly run most of my New York teams that I root for. It's just nice having just a little bit of bad luck to Boston. Yeah. And uh, we're just going to wrap it up with this. And uh, I don't know how many people know this. Steve Cohen, his transaction to buy the team has been uh, approved by, I think it was the executive council or some PS. It's moving on to the owner's vote. However, <laughs> in the Will Ponds lease for City Field, this is, this is how sick and twisted these idiots are mayor bill de blasio has the ability to block the sale if he deems steve cohen a prohibited person i'm gonna leave it there bill de blasio's got a lot of problems on his plate right now he should stay the hell out of the mets organization he should stop he he should not even consider this not not even consider it in the slightest okay that's that's how we're gonna wrap up the show that's just me going on a little bit of a rant right there but, Matt, I want to thank you for joining me. It was a fun episode, longer episode, but it was a lot of fun sitting down talking. And uh, where can the people find you on social media, if they can, anywhere? You know? Just add me on Snapchat, mguchar, M-G-U-T-J-A-H-R. Absolutely. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter, at Gosker56, or you can follow me on Instagram, at GooseOnTheMic. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, at podcast air it out or follow us on instagram at air it out dot podcast always any questions concerns you can always reach us at our email air it out boys at gmail.com if you want to be on the show you want to do anything feel free to reach out and until out this was our taylor swift so uh episode we're feeling 22 until next week until week eight until our jordan episode where we'll have zach cruck from wtbq on next week We'll uh, we'll see you next time and put it in the books.